Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa dematis Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Connection. I'm Ann Baldwin. I'm one of the co-hosts of this program, and the other co-host, Lisa DeMattis-Lapori, who is uh, CEO, president and CEO of The Connection. Um, She's uh, taken a day off from the program today because we wanted to really get to the topic and what's going on in New Haven. So we wanted to bring uh, Dr. Kathy Savino, who's the chief program officer for The Connection, on the show today. And we only have so many seats. So thank you for being here again. Uh, Kathy's been on this program several times, um, but today it's for an all different reason, Kathy. So thank you for bringing yourself and your expertise to this program. And we also have Chief Anthony Campbell. He's uh, the chief of police for the New Haven Police Department, who's been really thrown into not only the local, regional, but national spotlight because of what's transpired in New Haven with the recent situation down there. So Chief, thank you also. I know you're a very busy guy. You no know, problem. Thanks for having me. Even on days that aren't so busy. So, Kathy, talk a little bit before we get into the meat and bones of this particular topic. You know, what's been done so far? Maybe we should even give our listeners, I can't believe that there are those folks out there that might not know what we're talking about. Let's, But let's fill them in on what happened and where we're at today. Sure. Um, obviously, in recent weeks, we've had... Um uh, a lot of media exposure over the mass, um, what's been referred to as overdose, but we really call a poisoning of those individuals who were um, consumed K2 on the New Haven Green. Um, and since that time, I mean, initially, and I think Chief Campbell can really speak to this, there was a lot of work done by our first responders to provide medical treatment to over 100 individuals, some of whom um, were poisoned multiple times in one day. Uh, And then, you know, there's been also work with the providers, including the Connection, the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, certainly the mayor's office and other uh, community providers in New Haven to really step up our efforts to target those individuals who may have been directly impacted or may be at risk uh, for such an event going forward. So, Chief, why don't you take us back to that day and um, let us know kind of, you know, what was your, you know, you got up, you had breakfast and you got in your car and went to work probably with no expectation that it was going to be a day like it was. Talk to us about what that day was like and what happened. Sure. Believe it or not, the day began the night before. Uh, We've been trying to hire some police officers, so I was here at the police department uh, doing a board of police commissioners meeting. And in the middle of that meeting, I got a phone call from the dispatcher uh, to alert me that we had three K2 overdoses on the green. It's about 9 p.m. So I said, okay, um, keep me informed. And I immediately contacted the patrol chief, Chief Reyes, as well as the investigative service chief, Chief Johnson, told them what we had and told them, let's get on this, uh, you know, because when we're hearing 
such three overdoses in a short period of time, same location, we know something's going on. The next morning, approximately 7 a.m., we dispatched our intelligence unit out to the Green to see if they could do some undercover buys, and the Green was relatively quiet. So they went to another part of the town, and uh, the next thing I know, by 8.30, we had about, I was being notified that we had about seven overdoses. So I was like, okay, someone must have shown up and maybe distributed or sold something, and by 9 a.m., 9.30, we had we were up to 12, and then it seemed to just explode. Um, I had, of course, meetings and other plans, but I decided to divert, and by 12.30, 1 o'clock, I found myself on the green. Um, when I arrived uh, on Temple Street, uh, on the green, on Temple Street between Chapel and Elm, there was a gentleman on the ground being uh, held down because he was being rather violent, uh, seizing um, who had just collapsed, clearly had been poisoned uh, from an overdose of this K2, and the AMR and fire paramedics were on scene. They began treating him, and as we were treating him, um, I was calling for additional units to shut the streets down because I could see approximately 50 feet behind me another person stumbling, and then they fell. And as I'm looking straight ahead, I could see a woman waving to me saying, there's three more over here. So I realized that we had uh, a real emergency on our hands. And uh, for the next three, four hours on the green, we just basically were dealing with people who were overdosing from being poisoned by this uh, terrible synthetic drug. So, yeah, it was it was really shocking. Of course, it was hot additionally, and um, all the paramedics and police officers who were responding uh, really did an exceptional job. But little did we know that this would be a job that would continue for the next uh, 36 hours. So what was the antidote that was that was applied to these folks that um, that were poisoned? And we'll get to that word in a minute. Sure. Um, was it Narcan? Initially, it was Narcan. In today's day and age where opioids are the primary drug that people are overdosing on, initially someone passes out having difficulty with respiratory issues, they would be given Narcan. Now, in the initial case of giving the Narcan, some people responded, some people did not. Later, we learned that was a result of, once we discovered this was K2, which wouldn't respond to Narcan, many of the individuals who uh, had been poisoned by this K2 also were clients who may have a substance abuse disorder and are taking other substances like methadone or suboxone. And when the Narcan was applied, it stops that in their system, which may have been interacting with some of the K2, and thereby they kind of came out of it much quicker. Those who were not responding to the Narcan and they were given multiple doses on scene were transported over to the hospital. Uh, there they were treated, evaluated, um, and once they were, you know, coherent, able to walk, many of them were released, and sad to say, many returned back to the green, um, and we had about probably six to eight people who overdosed three to four times. Yeah, Chief Campbell, uh, one of the things I just wanted to point out, we have an office that directly overlooks the green, and one of our staff members pointed out and said, you know, if you were not uh, from here, um, and you just look down at the green and the number of first responders and ambulance, you uh, you would think you were in a war-torn country. 
And a- absolutely, uh, I would agree with that a hundred percent. Because in my twenty years on this job, and my twenty-eight years of living in the city of New Haven, which is really a place I call home now, I'd never seen anything like it. From where I was standing, which is basically in the middle of the lower green on Temple Street between Chapel and Elm, I could see both the upper and lower green. There were so many firefighters, AMR, and police that it actually looked like, as you described, a war-torn scene or the scene of a major disaster, like a plane crash or a building collapse. There were ambulances, fire trucks everywhere to the point where it was it was rather chaotic. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting about K2 in particular is that, you know, this is very visual. Uh, this was a very visual scene. The intoxication from K2 is visual and oftentimes disturbing. Yes. But uh, what I also want to highlight, um, not only the excellent work that your team did for this event, but they are responding uh, to many overdoses every single day, and largely in part to the opioid epidemic, which is another issue, but it really just does highlight the the role that uh, addiction and recovery plays in our community and what not only our providers are facing, but our first responders are facing as well. Well, you know, and maybe if there's a any part of a silver lining here, it's the fact that, you know, these people all went down within close proximity of each other. Imagine if this was a citywide issue in any city where you got one over here and one over there and five over there. I mean, how do you handle that? You know, even with bringing in neighboring communities cheap, that's that's a challenge. Absolutely. And we were fortunate. You know, many people were like, why is it just on the green? In many ways, I think that we were fortunate that it was concentrated. Initially, I would say of the 121 who were ultimately transported to the hospital, I'd say probably 90% of them were concentrated on the green. We did have a few in other areas of the city, which became a concern for us. Because we knew that if this became a citywide thing, it spreads your resources out. By having it all concentrated on the green, we were able to coordinate, set up our command posts, our incident command structure, and respond accordingly. But if it had been spread out throughout the city, that would have been a major, major issue for us. And we learned that from an incident that we had a couple years ago with an opioid overdose that was fentanyl. Uh, related, where we had 20 people overdose and, uh, unfortunately, three fatalities. But that was spread out through the city. This, we were able to contain mainly to the green, and, and I think it helped us with our response. Well, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with New Haven uh, Police Chief uh, Anthony Campbell, and also we've got Dr. Kathy Savino here, who's the Chief Program Officer at The Connection. And, you, you know, I want to know, what is K2? Is it a synthetic? Is it something that's, you know, that's people make. And I understand, you know, there were two individuals that, that were subsequently arrested. How is it that two people can distribute so much of this poison in such a short period of time? I'm a, that was one of the questions I've had. Yeah. So in terms of, and I'll certainly okay. let uh, Chief Campbell take the question about the distribution, but sure. K2 is commonly um, you know, known as synthetic marijuana. That's actually very incorrect. Uh, the way that the drug initially started, the person who created its idea was, you know, can we create this synthetic marijuana that, that targets the same receptors in the brain? And without going into that, um, he failed. And really what we have is a synthetic designer drug that is largely poison. It is not, you know, controlled uh, by the FDA. People who are creating this drug often change the formula to sort of stay a step ahead, and it's imported largely from other countries. 
and people just simply don't know what they're getting. There have been outbreaks in other large cities where K2 has been laced with rat poison, and there have been no, a large number of fatalities. So when we get into uh, designer drugs or synthetic drugs, it's very dangerous. We really cannot identify the chemical compounds, and that makes things, you know, just as scary. Is it something you smoke or you shoot up, or how is it? What's the intake? Yeah, many people smoke K2, yes. Yeah, okay. in this instance, that's what we were finding. Uh, we we found with the initial um, victim who had been poisoned, that they were able to provide us with a name of a person who had uh, distributed to them. Some were telling us that certain individuals were just handing it out and another individual was selling it. Mm. Um, the timing of this incident also was such that it was the 15th of the month. Many of these people who are substance abusers, unfortunately, um, as well as some of our homeless population may be on government assistance, and that is when many of the services are distributed, either the first of the month or the 15th. So in this instance, between one individual handing it out and another individual who is selling it, when they have resources, uh, a lot of people had it at that time. And we found a lot of what we would call blunts, uh, that had been rolled and smoked by multiple individuals. So a person would take a hit, pass it on to the next individual. While I was out there, uh, approximately 6 p.m., I heard a woman scream and I looked over and there were four people on the bench, two were on the ground. One gentleman was sitting on the bench and he was passed out, leaning back, and the guy next to him was slumped over into his lap. They had all been smoking from the same blunt and it was K2 that they had been smoking. So in, in our instances on the green, we found that most people were, were smoking this, um, just rolling it up and, and smoking it. Chief, you know, we mentioned that uh, New Haven made national news and continues to make national news um, because of the situation. Um, you know, as the chief, and, I'm, and I've seen, you know, the mayor, she's done a great job at speaking out about this and talking about how all these organizations are, are coming together. But as police chief, that's got to kind of hit you in the heart. And I know that you've got a, you know, you went to Yale Divinity School and that you've got a big heart. And, you know, you're also, you know, community policing is a big part of what you do in New Haven. How did you feel and how do you feel personally now that you've gotten through all the chaos for the most part? I, the day it was happening, I felt, um, I felt like we as a city were under attack I felt that someone had really sought out a population and was preying upon them, and I would happen to be the one who was witnessing the carnage. Um, I was heartbroken, uh, emotionally overwhelmed, concerned for my officers, concerned that they would get um, compassion fatigue, um, because although I'm directing a lot of what's going on so that they can respond, they're the ones who are holding these people while the medics are trying to get them on the stretchers. They're the ones who are keeping them from running into traffic and turning them on their side so that they, as they're vomiting and seizing, that they don't choke on their own vomit. I was exhausted when I got home. I haven't felt that way in, in many years. And I feel like it's a true tragedy. But at the same time, I felt energized. I felt a renewed sense of we will not allow this to happen, not only in our city or any city and that um, it's important for us as a police department to work with our community partners to make sure that people are not preyed upon in this way, and that just because they have uh, a, an illness, uh, an illness where they are addicts and they seek out these drugs, 
we had people in the hospital that we were begging them, please tell us who gave this to you. And they said to us, absolutely not. That's the best stuff, and I'm cleaning up my language, that I've ever had, and I want some more. Wow. This is, this is an attic. And so, you know, even during press conferences, people said, well, why weren't they arrested and so forth? Because they're victims. They were victims in this situation. And, you know, the one great thing I could say about it making national and international news is showed that we had a coordinated response with our fire department, mm-hmm. emergency response, and that we did not lose one life. Yes. But I think that also it has shown that now that we're focused, we can really start addressing and helping these people. And I think one of the best ways we did help them was within five hours we had the two gentlemen who had been distributing this off the street. Uh, sad to say they were well known to us and had been involved in a situation like this once before in February with a number of, of poisonings, uh, 14 at that time, and had been locked up. But the court had given, you know, particularly one of them, a five-year uh, suspended sentence with two years probation. And here we go again. So it is frustrating, uh, but I think there's a renewed sense of vigilance and making sure that we stop any predators who would prey upon the most vulnerable in our society. Yeah, I... Uh, And Chief, I actually think one of the things that we need to really point out that's very unique in this situation, although we're seeing a trend, is really to commend you, Chief Alston, um, really about your viewpoint of um, drug addiction, substance use disorders, and understanding that this is a medical illness, that people need treatment and recovery, and that people who are... um, you know, preying on those who are vulnerable, that's where law enforcement comes in play, but that we really uh, didn't work to treat substance use disorders as a criminal issue. Um, It does not help to provide people with treatment. And really just the uh, mind frame from you and your department is really incredible. And and it's one of the things that helps us make the turn in the treatment community to be able to say, we can be more effective because we can partner with you. And I think largely the residents... Um, understand that and really view um, the the team approach as one where we want to get people treatment and help. Absolutely, and thank you for that. And that's one thing that we've been trying to not only get across to the public so that they know there is a degree of safety with us, that we are not trying to vilify those who have substance abuse disorders, um, treatment care facilities. We're not trying to vilify those. We are trying to protect them from the predators who would push this poison into our communities and take advantage of those who really do have this substance abuse disorder. I have a question for both of you. Um, So why is it that, you know, in the media, which is where I come from, um, they're calling it overdoses. I mean, general public people understand overdose. Yes. Um, But we're kind of being corrected now, calling it poisoning. I mean, what's the difference? You know, why isn't it just an overdose? Why are we calling it poisoning now? Nobody knows what that is. Well, I think when we look at an overdose, there are sometimes thresholds of how much you have too much of a drug and that causes a medical um, overdose. Okay. In this instance, um, depending on the chemical composition of the K2 or the synthetic drug, you could have one hit and have a poisoning reaction. And that is what we were seeing in the bulk of people, people who were hardcore um, substance abusers were telling us um, that I only had one hit. I took a hit. I passed it on to the next person. They took a hit. And within five minutes, my body started feeling like I didn't have any control of it. And the next thing I knew, I was out. Wow. 
so this as as you were saying this is not a situation where a certain amount is used and people are comfortable with that and they get their high or whatever this was one hit out but the media still doesn't get that, do they? I mean, it's you're going to have to almost re-educate. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. The way that you both explained that, now I get it. Because, yeah. yeah, an overdose is you might have taken 50 pills and you overdosed. Correct. But, but this is really a poisoning. It's like a sniff of one thing, a smell, and boom, you, you're poisoned. So that makes sense. But there's, too, I think, a, a, probably an education piece that's going to come with that to get you know, folks to truly understand that. So let's get to what happened after. And I know that, you know, the connection, for example, um, you know, reached out immediately to the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services and other providers in the community because this really is a community effort, right, Kathy? I mean, you had presence on the green with services and, you know, clinicians on hand for people saying, look, this happened, now here's us and other providers and how can we help you? Yeah, I think, you know, initially after the first responders, because we obviously did not want to send staff into that situation and interfere with their responsibilities and their response to this crisis, after that happened, um, the first group of folks that really went out were our outreach and engagement teams, and that is a community effort among several organizations in um, New Haven that largely reaches out to the homeless population, just trying to provide some education about this situation that happened and ensure that people were safe. That happened immediately the following day. Um, and then also, you know, through the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services, there is a, a CSN or Coordinated Service Network in New Haven that's comprised of approximately 16 different organizations um, led primarily by CMHC, and we are part of that. And we brought a team together to really say, okay, how do we make sure that we have consistent and different services out on the green to provide education to those who might have been impacted, to those who are at risk, make sure that we uh, t uh, you know, provide people with referrals to various levels of care. And so we played our part in that. We plan to continue to do that. I think what's important to note is that while, again, this was a very visible um, outbreak in one day, this really does shed light on the fact that this is an ongoing issue in all of our communities. And while this happened in New Haven, we are also looking to provide some of these outreach services for clinical services in other communities as well. And we will continue to do that on an ongoing basis. So, Chief, and I know that you and uh, Kathy were also involved in a roundtable discussion. We have about seven minutes left in the program. So a roundtable discussion, and I think to your point, Kathy, and, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, sometimes it's these mass events, and I'll call it that, that have to happen to bring and shed light on the problem and, more importantly, the solutions. So talk about that roundtable discussion, Chief. What came out of that and kind of what, what's your approach moving forward? I mean, you know, you've become kind of the, you know, the, the showcase of how, how to do it right, how to save lives in a, in a horrible situation, but now what? I think one of the best things that came out of it is the coordination between police, fire, emergency services, but also the collaboration working with our community partners. We were able to not only make sure that no one lost their lives, but also stop the cycle of the K2 um, poisonings because once we knew what was going on and we shared that information with our partners, they immediately started addressing people uh, who were coming to their clinics, who were our clients, and informing them and educating them that this is not something you could just get and get high off of. It's knocking people down. So I think that collaboration uh, needs to grow, 
And I think that um, one of the things that really from that roundtable is helping to understand that uh, John Carroll, the uh, nominee for the position over uh, Drugs for the Nation, came and spoke with us and said, listen, this is a local issue. And for all cities and towns, this is going to be a local issue. You're not going to call Washington, D.C. in the middle of this crisis. You have to be prepared. You have to have the relationships already established so that when a situation like this happens, you already can hit the ground running. If you're just establishing these collaborations and relationships when a situation occurs, it's too late. And I think that's the greatest message that has come out of this. This is something that is sweeping this nation. It is not unique to New Haven. It is not unique to cities. It is sweeping our nation. And we all, from a public safety standpoint and from a community health standpoint, have to be ready and work together and have a plan in place so that when it does come, not if it comes, when it does come, we know how to address it and save lives. So, Chief, when these two individuals that are accused of distributing the stuff or handing it out or selling it, whatever they were doing, once they were taken into custody, did it stop? Yes. Um, what we found was there were some remnants of what they handed out that morning. But once they were taken into custody within five hours and the people who already had the product, um, a lot of that product we did take off of people who went to the hospital. Um, and we got a lot of that product off of particularly, we got the product off of both of the individuals who were arrested, but particularly off of uh, Mr. John Parker, who had over 30 bags of the K2 on him when he was arrested. Wow. So it could have been um, a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. Well, it did start dying down, um, and then within a day, we found that it was over. We did see a couple of opioid overdoses next day or two, um, and that we believe that is because people were coming down looking for the K2, and when they couldn't find it, they turned to alternatives. We did make additional arrests of a husband and wife from Meriden who were caught with 50 bags of heroin on them the day after this epidemic and we believe they'd come to this area to try and take advantage of the population there that, you know, may be seeking. Um, so the K2 did die down, and we started addressing other issues um, as people try to take advantage. Um, I think it's so important, both in the community and from the law enforcement standpoint, that people really wake up and realize that there are a lot of people out there who will try and take advantage of right. those who struggle with mm -hmm. substance abuse. That's right. Absolutely, Chief. And, you know, and that's a sad part. It is a vulnerable community, right? Yeah. And, uh, and And it's, it's an illness. It's a sickness. It, it is what it is. So, you know, Chief, I want to thank you so much for being on the program. Of course. I, 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 my only regret is that you... I didn't get to meet you in person, but that's okay. There will be a time for that. Absolutely. So thank, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, yes, and this has been great, and I'm sure the conversations won't end here. So thank you for your time, your energy, and your commitment to your community and the, the entire state. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Chief. So, Kathy, you know, as, as the Chief leaves us, and we've got a couple of minutes left, um, the fact that you've got such a compassionate Chief there and first responders, that's incredible. It's incredible. And, and these um, men and women, they deal with this every single day. They are addressing overdoses uh, from opiates every day. And, um, you know, I think that we need to acknowledge that, that this is happening. Certainly our staff are also addressing overdoses on a regular basis 
primarily of opiates, but uh, we know that, that there are drugs and they will come in waves, whether it's K2 or opiates, and we will kind of move through that. And so knowing that we have um, excellent first responders and a great team behind us, that's that's uh, very important. So since you've um, started, you know, to really bring everybody together, let me ask you this. Um, how receptive are people to the fact that you've been saying, look, we've got services, we can help you find this, we can help, you know, provide you access to that. And we will be giving out, you know, your your website if people want more information as well. It's theconnectioninc.org, theconnectioninc.org. How receptive have people been and have you, have you made an impact? People have been very receptive. We try to um, really localize and do a couple of things. One is provide education, so just any information that we could give to people. And the second was to provide immediate access to service. So we are pairing our outreach uh, clinical outreach with immediate open access to an intake appointment. So if we got someone who was interested in services that minute, we brought them right upstairs and said, let's get your paperwork started, sort of strike while the iron's hot and really try to engage people. And we did find a, a very nice response. And it's an active response. It's not like here, you know, here's a brochure, call us when you're ready. It's like you, you, you know, you met them where they're at. What do you need? How can we help you? And you started right then and there. And that is something you don't see every day. So it's just, it's incredible. Congratulations, you know, for doing that. Or not congratulations, but the word I'm looking for is just good job because not every organization does that. And, you know, the chief talked about those relationships, you know, the connection, um, Demas, all these organizations, you already have that collaborative effort. And this was, if you want to look at it that way, an opportunity to really throw the net out there and to help people. So thank you so much for that. Dr. Kathy Savino, she's the Chief Program Officer at The Connection and of course Chief Anthony Campbell, uh, Chief of the New Haven Police Department. This has been a great conversation. And again, if you know someone in need of services, you can go to theconnectioninc.org. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.